take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of John, the book of John chapter 14. There'll be one verse we focus on in John this morning. John chapter 14. This will be our ninth message in the series entitled Authentic Christianity. As we continue to explore the foundation of our faith, we ask God to secure our understanding of what we believe and why we believe because of what we read in God's Word. That our faith would be authentic because it is defined in Scripture and defined by God. We've used this statement uh, for most of these messages, and I'll read it again, but this is our heart as we explore authentic Christianity. It demands to be defined by God's Word, free of extra-biblical nuance or personal adaptation to suit personal preference or fleshly desire. In other words, that everything that we understand about our faith and our personal walk with the Lord, that it comes from the Bible and not a catchphrase or uh, some sort of emotion that maybe we've drummed up in our own mind or something that steps outside the bounds of what God's Word says. Culture is desperate, especially in this day and hour, to answer questions that are being asked. Culture is even desperate to answer the question, what is a real Christian? What does authentic Christianity look like? Our culture is desperate to answer that question, and the way in which they want to answer it does not line up to God's Word, His standard, His Word. I want to be right, and I want to be in line with God's definition of authentic faith, not something that uh, inspirational Instagram post said or a Facebook page that I'm a part of or something I read in an inspirational magazine I want my faith to be firmly fixed, to be firmly rooted to God's Word. From God's Word, from Scripture, is where you will find what authentic Christianity is in God's eyes. And today, as we explore authentic faith, authentic Christianity, the title for this message is this, True Peace Found in Christ. True Peace Found in Christ. John chapter 14 in the 27th verse, let's look and see what Jesus said. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Let's read that verse together, it's on your screen if you need it. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Almost everyone wants peace. Peace is almost an impossible reality, especially in this world. People pursue peace, they chase peace. But sadly, if they're looking for peace in the world, they'll never find it. And the truth is, as we assess our world and we assess even our personal lives, turmoil is in us. Turmoil is around us. It's in our past 
And if we had to be honest, understanding where we are, even as a country, turmoil is in our immediate future. Terminal, turmoil dominates the world in which we live, the cosmos. We talked about that Wednesday night. It's the German philosophy explains it best, I think, called the zeitgeist. Everything that happens in the world, all the thoughts, all the ideas, all the religion, all the opinion, what makes up the world and how it ebbs and flows. There is nothing in that ebb and flow but turmoil. Not only is there an absence of peace in our land, but there's an absence of personal peace. There's an absence of peace in the family. There is no local peace. There is no real national peace. And there isn't really any international peace. And history teaches that in the past 3,500 years, if you step back and assess everything that happened in the past 3,500 years, that there are only 300 of those years that you could say there was global peace. 300 out of 3,500 that you could say were peaceful in the entire world. And as Americans on a national level, America is a very troubled society. I don't have to explain to you what's happening to our country. If you're paying attention at all, you are informed, you are aware. If you read a newspaper, turn on a TV or on social media, you are very, very capable of understanding just how bad things are in our country today. We're broken. We're broken as a people. And our nation really has not been this divided since our Civil War. And if you go on the streets of America tonight... You come to Asheville and go downtown, you can search, you can look, but you will not find peace on the streets of America. It does not exist. You say, how do you know it's that bad? America is a wonderful country, a great country. Prosperity seems to follow us through the generations. There are roughly 2.1 million Americans in prison. That's the highest incarceration rate on the planet. The highest incarceration rate on the planet is under the red, white, and blue. And remember, we're supposed to have it all. We're supposed to have it all figured out. We're to be the trendsetters, the tone setters. We're to be the standard that the rest of the world follows. Yet, not only do we have a problem with breaking the law of the land... We have a problem with breaking the law of God. 2.1 million of us are in prison. The United States has the world's largest economy, and it has since 1871. The nominal GDP for the United States is $41.44 trillion. Additionally, our land ranks second in the world for natural resources, and it's an estimated value of $45 trillion. Remember, we're supposed to have it all. We're supposed to have it figured out, the Americans. And even with all this blessing and common prosperity, there is no evidence today, if you had to take us all to court as a nation, as a whole, and prove that there was peace in our land, you would not be able to do it. There is no peace in our land. Overdoses in our county are common. Murder is routine. Crime is exploding. And really all those trends 
are trending the wrong way and there seems to be no end in sight for that trend. And whether you put your faith and your trust in politics, the ebb and flow proves that no matter what the system is, if that system is outside of the realm of God and His peace, there is no peace. We live through a pandemic that has killed millions of people worldwide, and honestly, fear has changed this generation forever. This generation will never be the same because of fear. And meanwhile, there was a pandemic of sin destroying families that was running rampant and even in the church. But that pandemic was not discussed. It was ignored. Children are being born into homes without a married mother, a married father, and divorce is everywhere. And where there isn't divorce, marriages are still full of conflict and hostility. There is no peace. This is a very troubled world, and the trouble, it really, it, it strikes all the way into the depth of the human heart. It's personal. And let's remember there's a lot of discussion about peace, about what peace looks like, and there's always people trying to find peace. We have peace rallies in the cities, peace marches, People are looking for peace in their family, peace in their relationships. And again, most people want peace in the world. Most people. There are always people trying to come up with the next truce, the next break in the conflict. Politicians, political action groups, they are ever ready to make a deal or broker a resolution to find some sort of calm between two groups. It's who we are as a people. And if you look at the United States of America specifically, we have settled for the bare minimum definition of what peace is. We're settling for a moment's calm, a moment's tranquility, a brief truce. I love what Thomas Jefferson said about peace. He defined it as the brief, glorious moment in history when everybody stands around reloading the lull in the battle. There is a peace, ladies and gentlemen. If we were to leave it right here today, you would leave the most sad, helpless, confused, and hurt group of people if that's where we were to leave it. That the peace that the world offers is broken and it's empty and it is of none effect. But thank God today we will find in Scripture that there is real, true peace. And that peace comes from God. It's the peace that we're being presented here in John 14, 27. And only God's word and only God through his word has the authority to define peace or authoritatively point to what peace is. Only God can define true peace, real peace. And authentic Christianity finds true peace in Jesus Christ. People want that. People truly desire peace. They want peace in their lives. They want that tranquility inside of them. And in their most intimate relationships with their husbands, their wives, their children, their families, their communities, and even in the church, they want it to be free of stress, free of fear and anxiety. No one wants to be depressed. No one wants to feel despair. And no one wants to be in conflict. Everybody is looking for peace. People look for peace in 
so many different things. And a lot of times lost people don't even know what it is they're looking for. They look for peace in other people. They look for peace in drugs, in alcohol, in medications, in therapies, in doctors, exercise, healthy lifestyle, indulgence, vacation, shopping, Amazon, social media, sexual pleasure, isolation, religion, escapism, masculinity, feminism, book reading, and nature exploration. All of these things are temporary stays on a desire that lives on the inside of mankind, and that's that he wants to be at peace. But all of these are temporary measures. They create a state of faux peace. It is false peace. It will never, ever last, and it always comes to an end. This is peace that is temporary, that is but for a season, and it will never satisfy the soul. And today through God's word, we will truly say that this world, this cosmos, will never know true peace in its own power, its own understanding, or its own doings. It cannot create peace. We can also affirm through scripture that you, the individual, the Christian, the husband, the father, the wife the teenager, the young adult, that you will never experience or create lasting peace, authentic peace within the capability of this world. So how does Holy Scripture view peace? How does authentic Christianity define peace? It's found in God's Word. It's defined by God's Word. And really, the verse that we just read is the most definitive, condensed statement on peace We'll read it again in a moment, but John 14, 27. These are the words of our Lord. Before we read this verse again, I want to remind you where we are in Scripture and put it in context for you. We're in the middle of Passion Week. This is the last week of our Lord's life here on earth before He is to be crucified. His ministry is coming to an end. And you know, if you know God's Word, John 13 through 16, He is in the upper room speaking to his disciples, his faithful followers. Jesus has been speaking to them and he's been making these powerful promises that no doubt were amazing. It may have even been startling to the disciples some of the things that Jesus is saying in this upper room. Jesus had never spoken like this. This was completely different and the disciples, no doubt, their jaws are on the floor They're captivated by the words of their master, and yet they know that he is getting ready to leave them. He is already preparing him for his death, his crucifixion, his resurrection. He's getting them prepared, and there's tension in this room. Jesus pledges to them that the Spirit will come and enable them to write Scripture, and that this truth will carry out for all people of all history He goes on further in this chapter to make mention that the truths that he was saying, the truths that he was preaching in this room was not just for the people that were inside the upper room, but for all of those who were to come into the faith and those who believe. In other words, that you and I, that these truths that Jesus was proclaiming in this upper room were not just for those men that were there, but these truths are for you and for me, those who believe, those who are sons and daughters of God. And in this room, Jesus promises his disciples heaven 
He promised them heaven's resources, all that's available. He says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. You'll have all of heaven's resources at your disposal for your ministry and for what you're going to do. And even though I won't be there, he promises that the comforter will come. A wonderful truth. And now in John chapter 14, verse 27, the promise of his peace. His peace. Let's read it again. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. What I want to give you this morning for just a few minutes, four very simple, very quick characteristics of what true peace in Jesus Christ looks like. What does it mean for you and for me to have true peace in Jesus Christ? What is that peace? What are the characteristics of the peace that Christ is giving his people? The first is real peace. The peace that God gives his people is real peace. It's real peace. In real peace, there is life. The life you need is eternal life. It's eternal security only found in Jesus Christ. If you'll remember, this is where we started when it came to being a living sacrifice. You cannot be a living sacrifice for the Lord if you do not belong to him. Your soul salvation is a requirement for this peace. And really our world where the turmoil of life comes down to the end and Everyone is juxtaposed against ideas and thoughts about what's coming in the afterlife. But the point is, everyone in this room, at some point in time, if the Lord tarries, every single person in this room will die. If the Lord tarries and does not come back to rapture his church, the next hundred years, more than likely, everyone in this room will have died. Everyone in this room will stand before God. Everyone in this room will be judged. And those whose names have been recorded in the Lamb's book of life will have eternal life through and by Christ Jesus. And those who rejected God will remain his enemy and will face the judgment of God. For you to have real peace, Jesus has to be your Savior. For you to experience the wealth that's available to the children of God, you must be one of His children. And the peace that God gives His people is real peace. When it all comes down to the end of life, it's hard to hang on to false peace, especially when the trial or the tribulation or the pain or the hurt is so real. It's hard to fake peace when you're standing in a funeral home. Dan, it's hard to think that you're at peace when you're standing on the interstate in the midst of a wreck and there's a lost loved one in the car. It's hard to fake peace when your child becomes sick and you don't know where to turn. And at the end of the day, the peace that God gives is real peace. The devil will always attempt to tell that the peace that he gives is real. 
But the truth is, at the end of the peace that the world gives is always an empty feeling at the end of the high. There's always loneliness that's indescribable when the party's over and the sickness and the hangover begins. It'll always be broken dreams and shattered expectations. You can count on it every time when the relationship you're in was based on sexual passion and unholy feeding of the flesh. That is the peace that the world offers, and it's not real. The Bible proves this, Romans 8, 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That is real peace that comes from God. The peace of this world is all filthy garbage. The peace that this world offers you at the end of the day, no matter how much money you have to throw at it, no matter how much resource you have to continue, it will never bring real peace. It will always lead to death. Every time. And in this verse, Jesus called it my peace. God's peace. And it's real peace because it comes from God himself. That's what makes it real. Real peace, it has life, but it also brings rest. And there is no rest like the peaceful rest found in being in God's control as a living sacrifice. That's where you'll find real peace and real rest. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only did Jesus say, I will give you peace, but that you can make peace with God. You see, the greatest thing that we're pressed up against as fallen men is the holiness of God and our desperate need for a Savior that we would be justified by Christ and not of ourselves or our works. And Jesus is saying, not only am I going to give you peace to sustain, real peace, but through and by the Lord Jesus Christ, you can make peace with God and no longer be the natural enemy of God because of your salvation. That is real peace. When man can look into heaven and be at peace with his creator, that is real peace. When there's nothing left between you and God that needs to be handled and you have come to a place of salvation and you're living for the Lord, that is real peace. Real peace. The second is great peace. Peace in Jesus Christ is real peace. Secondly, it is great peace. Psalms 119, 165 says, Great peace have they which love the law. Great peace have they which love the law. Jesus held this up. He said, if you love me, obey my commandments. And when you simply obey Jesus Christ and his commandments and what he said, there is great peace for you and your home. There's great peace in your life. Isaiah 54, 13, And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. Do you want your children to have peace in this maddening world? Then teach them to love the law of God, and they will have great peace. Their ball team and their travel ball and their teacher and their school, all of those things are wonderful. But at the end of the day, that will not bring your child real peace. 
Boy Scouts cannot replace Jesus. And he said, if you want your children to experience great peace, if you want there to be great peace in your home, then love the law and obey Jesus. God's peace is great in foundation. The author of the peace, God himself, is great. And it has great effect on human life. This peace can change your entire existence. True peace will change your home in so many great ways. And true peace, you'll find many times, is a generational blessing. It's one of the greatest things you can pass on to live in the great peace of a great God. It's real peace. It's great peace. It's abundant peace. It's abundant. Jeremiah 33, 6 says, Behold, I will bring it health and cure. I will cure them and I will reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth. Romans 15, 13 says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. It is abundant peace. It's abundant. It's real. It's great. And it's abundant. Jesus said, my peace, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The peace that God gives you is so capable and so very personal and so very abundant that Jesus was telling you personally not to be troubled and for you not to be afraid. There was such an abundance of this peace available for every believer that you do not have to be afraid. That your heart did not have to be troubled in the midst of the world that you're living in. He knew the circumstance of 2021. He knew the pain, the hurt, and the sorrow of what life could be. Yet he said the peace is so abundant and so great and so real that you do not have to be afraid. Your heart does not have to be troubled because it comes from God. It is abundant And it's abundant because it comes through the power of the Holy Ghost. Every single day when you wake up, it will be there waiting on you. You never have to get up and worry, has the peace run out? Is this all on my own now? You'll never have to wake up and feel the isolation of being cut off from the peace that God is offering his children. You always will have access to his peace. Every single day of your life. Lastly, it is abiding peace. It is abundant peace, but it is abiding peace. It's great, it's real, it's abundant, and it's abiding. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Real peace, real peace is tied to the person of Jesus Christ and not in the circumstances of this life. No matter what they do to this country, listen very carefully to the words that are getting ready to come out of my mouth. No matter what they do to our country, even right before our very eyes, they cannot take our peace that comes from God. You could wake up tomorrow and the dollar be gone 
You can wake up tomorrow and the flag be changed. You can wake up tomorrow and be at war. But it does not affect the peace that God gives his children because it's real and it comes from God. Your peace is not tied to a political movement. Your peace is not tied to who's at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Somebody say amen. Your peace as a born-again, Bible-believing Christian is tied to the God of the universe. And he said it was abiding, abundant, great, and real peace just for you. It's abiding peace. And could it be that Christians have become so infatuated with what the world is doing that we have hooked ourselves to what the world's ebbing and flowing into and out of for us to find peace and hope and comfort? If you're looking at the stock market for your peace, you will find none. It will always end in emptiness. True peace in Jesus is secure. True peace in Jesus is certain. It's a peace that lives independently of this world. It cannot be affected. Jesus said, I leave it with you. I give it unto you. Real peace. In the world, they'll try, but they'll never be able to give that peace away. They'll never be able to because they don't possess that peace. You can't give something you don't have. The world will offer you peace at every turn, but they can't offer it because they don't possess it. And they can't take it away from you. It belongs to God. Nothing can alter the peace that God gives to His children. This peace is not temporary. It's a characteristic of God towards his children. This will not change with the seasons. God is an immovable God. He's a holy God and he's righteous and he tells no lie. And so when I read in my Bible that it was given to me, that it was left for me, I believe that that peace is available and that it will abide with me until I'm home safe in heaven. I get to have peace all the way home, even in the midst of great trial and tribulation. That's how a Christian in Bangladesh can still worship and have peace, even though they may be tortured, arrested, or murdered. Because God gave them peace. That's how Christians today in China can meet and have peace with no food in their belly and no safety and no security and no hope of tomorrow. Because God gave them peace. And American Christianity, what we have embraced, what we have been so blessed with, will rob us of what's available if we're not too careful because of the materialistic ways of our day. Our peace is not tied to the cosmos, the world. Our peace is found in the abiding hand of God in our lives every day. So how can I have this peace? Number one, you have to be saved. You have to be saved. So many Christians are seeking peace in so many different places. Don't get me wrong. I, I really believe there are people who truly need medication for depression and anxiety and fear and panic. That's not what I'm saying. I thank God for those doctors who are able to help people and talk with them and to 
move along with mental illness to see someone grow and be able to go to the grocery store again. Thank God for that medicine and that capability. But may I remind you that the first place you start when you're dealing with a fearful heart, panic, and anxiety is to go to the source of control and say, God, I'm afraid. Jesus said in the upper room, you do not have to be afraid and your heart does not have to be troubled. Even though it is a scary world that you're living in, I will give you the peace. I will give you exactly what you need. There is no pill, no therapist, or any doctor on this planet that can replace the peace that God can give you. It's an abiding peace. So how can I have it? How can I enjoy it? You must be saved. You must be His. You must be aware of this. The world truly tries to rob Jesus of the peace that He gives. Think about it. Assess the world. Islam wants Jesus to be a good man, a good teacher. Buddhists desire His parables and some of His prayers. Even the New Age movement will embrace some of the teachings of Jesus as a good man. They all want the peace that Jesus gives. They all want the peace that Jesus represents. But they can't have it because they won't submit to Him as Lord. James 4.8 says, Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. The measure of real peace that you have depends on the measure of surrender in your life. Your measure of peace is directly tied to your measure of surrender. And sometimes the circumstances and the situations of life will cause us to work and move and manipulate and make this phone call, send that email, have that conversation, throw more money at this problem, and we'll do everything in our power to move and manipulate people and issues and problems. And at the end of the day, you'll find no peace in you trying to solve the issue. There will always be more struggle, more turmoil, more issues, more problems. But if you'll say, God, I can't, but you can. I put this in your hand. I surrender myself out of the seat of control. I want you back into the pilot's chair. You drive this thing and I'll trust you. You get us to where we need to go. Your peace is tied directly to your surrender. And if God's been dealing with your heart since the summer months when a breath of revival swept through this church and He's putting His finger on certain things, particular things in your life that you know and God knows needs to change, but you're not willing to change them, then don't expect there to be peace in your home or in your life. Your peace is directly tied your surrender. That's where the peace is. God, I cannot, but you can. God, I am not capable, but you are. That's where the peace is found. And if you're here today and you're lost and undone without Jesus, 
Well, you've picked a wonderful day to be in the church house. Because there's good news. You can have that peace. It's not some unascertainable peace that you'll never know of or never taste of. The Bible said it belongs to those who believe. The children, the sons and the daughters of God. If you're here today and you're lost and you're looking for peace, then Jesus can change it all. He can save you just as you are today. The idea that you've got to clean up or shape up before you get right with your maker is a lie. The pressure that you feel to stay still or to keep your heart shut off is nothing more than pride. You'll have to ask God to help that pride die so that you can surrender to God. You say, you don't know me. You don't understand who I am. I'm a pretty big deal where I work. I'm a pretty big deal to my family. Again, pride can send you an eternity without God if you're not careful. And you'll want the Holy Spirit of God to do His work in your heart today and not leave here the same way you came. You'll submit to Him. You'll surrender. Repent of your sin. Ask Him to break the chains of entrapment of this world. Call upon His name and believe. He'll save you today. Before lunch... You can have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. Eternal security forever and the peace of God for the rest of your life. That could be you today. You do not have to leave the way you came in the door today. If you're watching online, you can change today. You can find peace. You can find it in the person of Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you're Backslidden, You're stepping back from the foundation, the authenticity of your faith. You're taking a few steps in the other direction. It's slow and it's subtle. But that's where it always starts. The Bible says that a mind that is carnal, that steps away from the things of God, that it'll always lead to death and disappointment. Come home where you belong today. You belong in the warmth and the comfort, the safety, the security, and in the peace of the Father's table. You're one of His. You don't belong in that foreign land. Come home and sit at the Father's table. Your place is still waiting. But you need to get some things right. You need to look at Jesus and say you're sorry. You need to take your husband or your wife by the hand and say, I'm sorry for what I said or for what I did. Would you forgive me? Because until that relationship is right, you cannot find peace with God. We have to be right with God and each other. Christian, if you're here and there's another Christian in this building who you're holding a grudge against or you're gossiping about or you're jealous of, you need to go to them today and make it right. Beg their forgiveness and ask God to do what only he can to heal the relationship. And Christian, we must leave today with the understanding and the encouragement 
that we don't have to tie ourselves to the sinking ship of what this world is. That we can go home tonight with the peace of God and rest our heads on our pillows and know that our Creator is in control and that He loves us and that He cares for us. And today, you can find in authentic Christianity peace in Jesus Christ. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Help me for just a moment if you can, don't get up or leave the sanctuary unless you're sick or have to go to work. Let's allow a few moments for the Holy Spirit of God to inspect us all. The word's been preached. Now it's up to the Holy Spirit of God to deal with hearts and minds. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've wandered away. I've got things in my life that need to change. There's been an eternal struggle, no peace because of some things in my life and today's the day I want to get it right. Would you just raise your hand so we can know how to pray for you? No one's going to come to you. No one's going to embarrass you. Thank you, sir. I see your hand. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. God bless you, sir. I see your hand. God bless you, ma'am, in the back. Thank you so very much. God bless you, sir. I see that hand. Thank you, teenager. God bless you. Things that need to change in your life. Maybe you're here today and you're lost and undone and you need to be saved. Say, Pastor, I'm not saved. I'm not sure if I'm saved. Pray for me. Would you just raise your hand? No one's going to come to you, embarrass you, do anything to make you feel uncomfortable. We just want to know how to pray. God, you know the hearts. You see the hands. Father, you know what we need. God, I pray that you would take this truth from your word. God, that you would use it to penetrate our hearts, change our lives. Father, that we would find our safety, our shelter, our security, and our peace in you today. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen and amen. Let's stand all over the building. Brother Doug's going to sing one verse. The altars are open. If you need to come do business with God, you do so. The pastors are available and they're waiting. Savior, I
let's just be still. Let's mind God. We can have lunch 10 minutes later if we have to today. It won't hurt us. Let's just be real still, real cautious. Remember, the Bible describes the Holy Spirit of God as a dove. Let's just be very, very careful right here at the end of our service. God's dealing with hearts, dealing with minds. Christians, you help me pray. Brother Doug's going to continue to sing. The altars are open. Pastors are here. If you need to have a seat, please go ahead and have a seat. If not, we'll continue to stand and pray. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all that you've done. Lord, for the peace that's available to us through and by our Savior, our Lord. God, we thank you for what Jesus said in the upper room thousands of years ago that still applies to us today. We can leave here today with peace and understanding that our heart doesn't have to be afraid. Lord, that as we walk outside of these doors, we can be bold, that we can be strong, and that we can be brave because of what Jesus did for us. Protect this church family. Bless this church family. Keep them. Sustain them. Encourage them today. And Father, I pray that they would have a wonderful week in the peace of Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, for the presence that we felt today, for the authority of your word, for the liberty to preach. It's in Jesus' name we pray all of these things together. Amen and amen.